What's up, everybody, and welcome to What's in Your Glass. As you know, I'm your host, Carmelo Anthony. Before we get going, let's first welcome today's guest. Please welcome to the show, pianist, record producer, songwriter, and, and most importantly, musical arranger. I, I, I like how that, I like how that sound. I like how that sound. <laughs> Robert Glasper. What's up, y'all? What's up? What's up? What's up? Indeed, talk to the people. Talk to the people. Indeed, man. indeed. From the east to the west coast. Now <laughs> I'm on the I'm on the west coast now, Jack. But so yo, you, we were talking about that off off air. Yeah. How does that How does that feel coming from east to west? It's different. It's totally different. But you know, because the east coast, I was in New York for 23 years, so the the energy is just a whole different thing there. Everything is you know, go, go, go. Everything's right, right. tight and everything's here. But here is like, it's more, for all better words, uh, more mellow, if you will. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? More chill and just, it's just a different vibe. I have a baby girl. She's 16 months. So right before the pandemic, we moved out here. This was just better for her too. You know what I mean? Just to be in this vibe, you know. Copy, copy. Let's, uh, let's, let's, we, 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 we'll get back. We'll get back to the, the, the transition from the East Coast to West Coast. Yeah. But let's 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 start it off and uh and, and take people all let's all the way back uh to yeah. the beginning of, of growing up uh in Houston. Uh for 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 those who, who, who don't know, like your mother sang jazz and, and yeah. blues professionally. Yeah. Um what 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 was it like like growing up in that that musical household and like what what influence uh that her musical background have on you? Man, that was everything. Cause my mom, I always joke and say my mom was Whoopi Goldberg and Sister Act because she sung at all the clubs during the week. Jazz clubs, R&B, funk clubs, did Broadway stuff, sang in country. Like literally there's a barn she used to play at on the weekends, a barn that was for country music. So she was just all about all music. And then on Sundays, she was the minister of music at church. You know what I mean? So that's why I say she's a Whoopi Goldberg. I used to joke with her all the time <laughs> about that. So in my household, you never know what you're going to hear. You know what I mean? It was just always all kinds of music. That's why to this day, you know, my, my palate is so eclectic with all kinds of stuff because that's how I grew up with no, no blurred lines in between. You know what I mean? And my mom was like locally famous. People used to, Elijah Wan used to come see her every week. <laughs> Facts. Yeah, Elijah Wan, him. I'm serious. A lot of the King, King, King. And Lou, Louis, uh, Tom Donovich used to come all the way, all the time. Mm. Akeem was trying to date my mom. She was like, <laughs> I swear, she used to bring me back, bring me back pictures, and like he wrote some autographs on napkins. I have, she was like, he really likes me. I was like, so mom, what are you doing? What's up? <laughs> we gotta figure this shit out, it's Akeem, man. So did she? I, I mean, I, I heard that um, that that she used to take you to some of her gigs, right? And then, man, yeah, and like, because, what, like what, like what was that like from for what you can remember? Like, what was that like? Man, my mom was not a fan of babysitters, you know what I mean? So we didn't have many people that could watch me in, in, uh, around. So whenever somebody, she couldn't find a person in the family to really watch me, she would just take me to the shows. I remember being two and three in the back of clubs while she's doing sets and she had me in the back room with, like, waitresses coming in and checking on me. <laughs> like, literally, like, I remember... All those things from that early on, like being two, three years old at rehearsals. And, you know, so all that stuff matters. When you're around it that young, you don't realize it then, but it's soaking, it's, it's, it's coming, it's in you. You know what I mean? It's really in you. So, yeah, man, it, it, it was, it was, for me, it was just regular, regular life. But now growing up, I realized what an effect it had on me. I mean, of course, you didn't, you didn't have no clue or idea of what the effect was having on you at, at that age. So now you, I mean, as you got older, you realized that. 
Look, I thought I was going to be a basketball player. Mm. Real talk, I, I auditioned for the high school for the performing and visual arts when I was in ninth grade in Houston. That's an arts high school. So, uh-huh. they, they, you know, they, they, they uh, specialize in music and acting and all, dance and all these things. So I auditioned for piano. I got in and I ended up not going. I wanted to wait because I wanted to play basketball at the high school, the regular high school, because all my friends was going to be there and stuff. And I was on the B team. I wrote that bench the whole year. Mm. That's what made me be like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and be, get serious about this <laughs> piano. So I, I tell people all the time, I scooted that bench over to the piano and just kept it there and just did that shit. I, I might have played two games the whole season. It was not – I realized, like, oh, because, look, yeah, yeah, I realized it wasn't, it wasn't the vibe. So that's what made me re- – because I was really in the sports. I was in the track – Football and and basketball, hardcore, you know, and and when once I got to high school, I realized I wasn't as good as I thought I was. So was it easy? Was it was it was it easy for you to to give basketball up and just be like I'm focusing on on this piano? Absolutely, because I realized too, a lot of times your passion is not your gift, right? And some people don't realize that until later, later in life. Unfortunately, you know what I'm saying. But there is a difference because piano came easy to me. I used to do it for fun. It came easy because of my bloodline, you know. Right. But basketball, I had a passion for it. I really loved to play basketball. I really loved it, loved it, loved it. But I wasn't good at it. Right. You know what I mean? And then I just realized once I wrote that bitch all year, I realized that, you know what, let me just concentrate on my gift. Because when you concentrate on your gift, I think you get further in life. You know what I mean? When you really, when, once you are a person that can realize the difference, this is my gift, this is my passion, this is my hobby. You know mm, that's, I mean? that's important. That's important for sure. Those are so important. I think a lot of people get those things mixed up. And that's why you, you see you know, 45-year-olds out here, 50-year-olds trying to learn how to do something. Absolutely. Trying to jump into, <laughs> oh, now I want to be an artist. You should have been an artist 30 years ago. But my mom, luckily, she let me know I wasn't good at basketball in her own nice way. She was like, yeah, baby, I think we should just... Yeah, stick to the piano. You know what I mean? <laughs> as, a, as a mom should. As a mom should. I'm so happy she did that. As a mom should. You, you got your, you, you, you kind of get, you got your start uh, performing in, in church services. Yeah. Uh, did, did you, did you always enjoy performing and, and, and even that young and, and, and that type of setting, did you enjoy that? I loved it, man, because that's so funny. I was talking to somebody earlier about this today. A lot of musicians, especially from the black church, we didn't realize, but you're getting, you're getting training to be an artist already. Like, I was playing in church when I was, you know, in fourth grade on the mm. piano, you know, third, fourth grade in front of hundreds of people. So you don't realize it, but you're on stage in front of hundreds of people, you know, talking to the drummer and the bass player, getting stuff right, blah, 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 playing with singers, all that stuff. You're doing shows. You know what I mean? That's really what it is. So that's what the training is earlier on. Then when you get older, you realize how easy it is for you. That's why you see all these, the, the bands of Justin Timberlake and Beyonce and Usher and all those, all those really dope bands. All their musicians and music directors come from church because we've been doing it for so long. It just wasn't on a big stage. It, was just, it wasn't in the, in the public eye. It was just in the church eye and at that service. But we've been doing it for, for so long. You know what I mean? So that definitely have an effect on me because people always come to me, oh, yo, do you get nervous? I was like, no, I don't get nervous. Like, why don't you get nervous? And I'm like, maybe because I've just been doing it for so long. For so long. 
Right. You know what I mean? And, and being being on stage when you're a, a, you know, a, a kid in, in school, you know, the girls looking at you on stage. You know what I mean? So it was like, oh, You don't want to fuck that up. You're not you fucking mess, that up. No, nah, hell no. You don't want to mess that up. That's a, that's a plus for the beginning. You know what I mean? <laughs> so and, and so speaking speaking on the, the church services and, and somebody asked you about being nervous and not mm-hmm. being nervous. Mm-hmm. Is that setting hard, though? Like, my, and I'll, I'll give you some background. My mom grew up in the church. My mother was a deaconess. She just, you know, she just got her her um, her pastor license, a degree, whatever. Oh, however, nice. however you said, yeah. So yeah. she she's always been in the church. But I know I know people with friends who, who've been in, in the choirs and singing and, and pianists and just you know playing the instruments, and they get nervous in the church. But when they playing that, when they just playing regular, it's like, oh, this is this is whatever. Does <laughs> does does the, does the church give you that feeling of just like, damn, I have to be right, I have to do it right. Everybody is everybody is watching, even as a right. little kid, even right. as a little kid. Well, at first it did, but you know what? I think now it might be different because of social media, and now every church has got cameras. Now you can watch church right. from your from your house, you know. So the reach is further, so therefore it could be probably a little bit more. Oh snap! You know what I mean. But right. when I was growing up, there wasn't no cameras, there wasn't no Instagram, there wasn't nothing. If you wasn't in them four walls, you didn't see it. <laughs> you know what I mean. So for me, it was easy. But now I can understand why somebody may be nervous because it that service is going to live forever and people yeah, for can sure. watch it all the time. You know what I mean. But that's that's my question: Is there such thing as basketball stage fright? It is, and you and you and you see it. You 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 it like now that I'm telling you that you'll pay you'll pay more attention to that. Like you can you can see it. I, I think most guys or most athletes in general, when they first step out on the court, on the field, whatever, they feel something. Whether it's you know they call it butterflies, or you, yep. you call it call it whatever. You just unsettling. Yep. Guys got to go to the bathroom two three times before the game. It's gotcha. yeah. That's that's a form of of nervousness. Now they may not say it. Right. That's that's a form of nervousness of nervousness. So yeah, people even at the highest level, people still get stage fright. Is that what you know, Bill Simmons is going through? I don't, I mean, I don't, no, I don't think, it, I, don't, I think that's more like he got to figure his his mental out. You know what I'm okay. saying? He got he to he gotta get his own mental right. Okay. And when he when he's ready and right, then he, only he knows when he's ready and right. Yeah. I was you know wondering that, I'm like, that has to be a thing. Like, do you know personally some cats who would, when you're, when they're at a big game, they don't play that well, but then when they, if you do a pickup game somewhere, it's, it's crazy. Oh, for sure. That's that's that happens all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, dang. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that happens all the time. Stage fright is is, is universal. That's that's all. That's all lanes, all genres. It don't it don't matter who you is. You're gonna experience that at some at some point in time. I've never heard anybody speak on it on a big way, but I feel like that's such a big real a real thing. And no, it's it's definitely a real thing. It's it's definitely a real thing. I mean, most people. The, the great ones would tell you, like, look, I, I get nervous, right? It, you know, stepping out on that court because you don't know. Like for me, I, I get I get anxious a little bit. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So because yeah. I don't, you don't know. You have a game plan that you want to stick to the game plan, and then in the middle of the game, you just gotta adapt. You gotta go and you gotta you gotta adapt. So it's just like you just want to be right. You want to come out the gate right, and then once you feel like you came out the gate right, it's like all right, cool. I hit my first shot, or I made my first pass, or right. I got I got a sweat. I feel more comfortable, confident. Now now I'm ready to go. So it's. You know, it's, it's it's very similar in 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 in, all, in a lot of different genres. I, I, mm-hmm. I can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How like so? You know, and also speaking on that, like, how did, all, are I, you drinking wine? 
Isn't this a what's in your glass thing? It, it is a what's in your glass. And I just left my shit downstairs. I'm running the running. You had me get some wine. I'm not drinking alone, Carmelo. No, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get my wine. Don't worry about that. I'm getting my wine. No, don't worry. I know you got a butler or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <Yell out. laughs> I'm going to get I'm going to go. Hey, Kalina! See? Can you grab me a glass of wine, please? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so kind of going, kind of going back to uh, performing, right? Like, yep. eventually, you 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 attended. Um, oh, I want to get it right. The New School for Jazz and the yep. Contemporary Music in, yep. in New York, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, how did how did you um, adjust the, the you know to the culture change that that was in New York? Man, look, when I first got to New York. I started going to all the little jam sessions, little clubs where they have jam sessions and checking out the musicians. Because where I was coming from, I came from Houston, you know, I was like the best. I was one of the top in Houston. So, you know, I had my little chest out, like, okay, you know. <laughs> I got to New York, bro. Started going to these spots. It's so many amazing musicians in New York. A lot of the times, because you, you have to write your name down on the jam, when you go to a jam session, everybody writes their name down, then they call your name, you can go up and play. Just to keep mm. some order, keep some order in it. Sometimes they would call my name, but when they, by the time they call my name, I've already seen pianists that were so good, I would just go up on drums. Damn. Because I did not want them to see me play piano because I was scared. And, some, and that went on for about two years. I would, but I would go home after that and practice my ass off in the room. Practice, practice, practice. But I kept getting my butt kicked, which is what I needed. And so many, it's so funny. To this day, I run, I run into some musicians who thought I was a terrible drummer for two years. Damn. <laughs> because I literally just like, I'd rather you think I suck on drums than suck on my actual real, real instrument. Right, and, which is the piano. Which right. is the piano, you know what I mean? And so I, I'd rather that. But that was a, I mean, that was a great lesson for me, first of all. You know, you can, I, you know, where you're from is one thing, but you don't know if you're the best until you really go around, you know what I'm saying, and really see what's out there. Because there's always somebody that's going to challenge you, that's going to be better than you, at least better than you in the moment, you know right. what I'm saying, in that time period, you know right. what I mean? And then I, I saw that, that made me want to go in there and shed and practice, and that's how I got better. But I, I felt if I would have stayed in Houston, if I would have stayed one of the best in Houston, I wouldn't have grown, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would have just sat in that and let everybody be like, oh, man, you, the, you know, it's like, okay, right. you know, but I didn't want that. I didn't want that at all. Let's 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 cheers now. Now that Indeed. we're here. Cheers, my brother. Cheers, cheers oh, baby. Cheers. Absolutely. Ah, uh, yes. I've been waiting for that. Oh mm -hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking speaking on going from Houston to New York mm -hmm. and, 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 and how you how you just mentioned that Houston is more of a laid back. It's more laid back, it's more it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of culture, a lot of southern, you know, southerners in, in, in Houston. Uh, more camaraderie, you know, yep. lots of camaraderie, lots of support. So yep. you going and and you and it's not that fast paced. So you going from one situation to the ultimate. New York is New York is New York. It's it's, it's the hustle and bustle of New Absolutely. York. Absolutely. If you're not good at something, they gotta let you know. Absolutely. Right, right then and there. So how, <laughs> so how it's like how did that play? How did that play on your psyche? Like knowing that. You was a, you know, you said you was afraid to go up there and play what mm -hmm. you're known for, what you're good at, what you're mm -hmm. great at. Mm -hmm. So you went up there and switched it up to the drums. Like, how, how did that play on your <laughs> psyche, though? I was depressed for a, a few weeks. When I first got there, I was a little depressed. I was happy to be there, but it was like, dang. So I had to make a choice, like, to really, like, use this as a, as a, as a lesson and get better. Or I know many people who have come 
and gone through that and went back home. Mm. You know what I mean? And that that's when you, that's when you, the strongest survive. That's what they say. You know, you know, when you get out there, you really see who really wanted it and who really don't want it. You know what I mean? And I, I wanted it, you know? So, and the good thing about that is too, I, I, I was in New York at a, at a really good time of music because when I first got there, I got there in 97 and that's when the, this whole movement, they call it the Neo Soul Movement. Absolutely. That's the, the Jill Scotts, the Eric Badu, the Angelo, the, the Roots, and uh, them was popping off. So they would do these jam sessions in New York, in the city, every week. And I was going, me and my boy Bilal, my boy, we would go there. We, we, we would go, I met Bilal in college, the first day of college. We were one of seven black people at the college. <laughs> so, and he was from Philadelphia, so he knew all the people. So he introduced me to Questlove and the Erica and the Common and all the cats, Q-Tip, Most Def. So I got to I, I got to be cool with them and go to those jam sessions every week and check that out and get to be a part of that. I was I was damn near a member of the Roots for years. I was playing with them all the time. You know what I mean? And so I learned a lot. I got to stay there and learn a lot. And then through natural progressions, it just did what it did. The wave took me, and I just rode the wave. You know what I mean? And it took me to places I needed to be, and you know make the connections I needed to make the made the connections I needed to make, and you know. New York was New York was the best move I, I made. I I couldn't have done it anywhere else. So I assumed. I mean, I, I assume that New York was was very very beneficial to to you know not just not just your performance and not just your you know your skill, but also for your your confidence too. My confidence as well, for sure. Because if you make it, it's, it's not it's not that's not a false thing. If you can make it there. Make it anywhere. That's <laughs> trust me. I know for sure. I mean, you know for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. You from? Aren't you from? Aren't you from New York? Yeah, I was born in Brooklyn, y'all. Born in Brooklyn. That's right. Yeah, I'm in Red Hook, y'all. So I, yeah. I already know if you can, you if you can make it in New York, you can make it. You can make it anywhere. Absolutely. Especially if you play ball in the, in the parks. It's so nice they named it twice up there, man. I want to talk about your your professional career and just kind of your your breakthrough mm-hmm. uh, on on the scene. You 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 began release an album like O two, yeah. You just had this whole like this huge breakthrough with with, with black radio, uh, yeah. with, which which actually released in twelve two thousand twelve. Yeah, it was it, it, it won a Grammy uh, for for best R and B album, and it you know you had you know, like you say your, your your friend Bilal Lupe. Yeah. Um, uh, Badu and and, mm-hmm. and so many so many so many others like can you can you describe like what this what this time was like? First of all, I didn't think I was going to ever get nominated for an R and B Grammy. You know what I mean? Um, well, first of all, let's let's toast to that. Let's, oh yeah, no, exactly. Let's let's, uh, let's toast to that. Let's toast to that because that that don't happen. That don't happen. That don't happen often. That don't happen, especially to a jazz musician. It right, absolutely. So you know. I've, once I moved to New York, you know, I used to live around the corner. Like, after Bilal introduced me to Cats, I, re- I lived a few blocks from Common. I lived a few blocks from America. She would come over to my crib and show, play tapes for, hey, I have this idea for this song. What do you think? Because I was everybody's jazz friend. You know what I mean? Like, I used to give Common piano lessons. I used to show him how to play Roy Ayer songs and stuff at his oh. crib. You know what I mean? Like, so I was everybody's jazz friend, you know? So uh, through the years, I accumulated these relationships with Jill and Erica and Common and 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 Tip, and Most Def, and Talib, and all these rappers, you know, 
even Kanye, I'm 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 on I'm on Touch the Sky with Kanye. Absolutely, and Luke, of course, you know I mean? of course. You know, so I've I've accumulated all these all these relationships with these people. So when I I first got signed majorly in 2005, but I wanted to do just jazz albums first, just to make sure to solidify myself in the concrete as a jazz pianist, so people can't say shit. Once right, I, absolutely. Once I move on to my hip hop R&B shit, you can't call me a hip hop R&B piano player. It's already no. recorded <laughs> that you got to respect this. You got to respect these hands. So that's what I made sure. So I did three jazz records that were number one jazz albums on the on the charts, number ones. Boom, 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 boom. I got. I was getting the respect, and I was like, "All right, cool. Now it's time to do black radio." Mm. That was on purpose. That was on purpose. You know, I wanted to do it in that order. And wait, I waited six years on purpose because it's very, very important. And because especially as an African-American musician and, uh, and jazz artist, you know, it's there. People are very easy, easily want to call you a hip hop pianist or R&B pianist. They don't want to give you that title of jazz pianist because that's a that that kind of separation. It separates you, and it, yeah. it's an elite thing to be a jazz pianist to get recognized as a jazz pianist. It's it's a thing. You know what I mean? And, and it's very hard to do that R&B, hip-hop first, then try to come back and do some jazz. They don't let you in. They won't let you in coming from that. It's mm. the opposite way you can get in. You can get in from jazz, hip-hop, and R&B if you do it right. But you can't go from R&B, hip-hop, and go into jazz. It's not happening. So, uh, and that's that, that's interesting, though. So, what, why is that? Why, why do you think that is? Because uh, jazz people are snobs. Okay. Okay. <laughs> a lot of the jazz, a lot of the jazz world are snobs. You know what I mean? I got some snobbish in me too. You know, whatever. We're, we're, you know, we're, it's a little arrogant. It's a little, it's a little bit of, well, we're jazz, you know, but the reality is every genre, you have to pay attention and practice and really study every genre because every genre has its own thing. You know what I mean? Right. A lot of jazz cats think they can just come because it's quote unquote simpler you, you don't have to, to play jazz. The reason I tell you why, the reason jazz musicians tend to have an uppity thing about them, and not all of them, I'm not saying every jazz musician, but as a whole, the genre is uppity, is because right. to play the music bad, to be a terrible jazz musician, you have to be fucking good. Oh, yes, yeah, I agree at, with that. At your instrument. Just to play the songs, you have to pretty much master your instrument just to even play the music. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. And, that, and that's why, because to play the music mediocre, you gotta be damn, you gotta be pretty much better than everybody else, other genres. To play R&B, you don't have to be technically good. Wow. To play hip hop, you don't have to be technically good. There are aesthetics you have to learn to make those genres what they are, that you have to pay attention to and you have to respect. But you don't have to be technically good at your instrument to play those genres. But jazz, you do. Classical, you do. Those are two jazz, two music forms where you have to master your instrument in order to just play the music, even in a mediocre way. You know what so, I mean? So, so, even, so even if you master, master your instrument, you still could be bad. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Because you make bad choices, you know what I mean. So you what make makes it? So what makes what, what what makes somebody very good at? Okay, a master at an instrument. Yeah, but because you're, you're just shitty, like you just you just shitty. Because you're good at the scales. It's like somebody that stays home and practices dribbling by themselves. Okay, but okay. But as soon as you put a fucking defensive person in front of them, they don't really know what to do. Okay, they, okay, they I, get the, I get it. I get it. They don't know the science. I get behind it. it. They have I the. Get it. They could probably win that thing at what did I do at, at um the skills to shoot out. 
First of all, I hate that. But the, the skills, nobody care about that shit. The skills challenge, okay. But the people, there's some people who can win the skills challenge, but they can't win a one-on-one. Right, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with music. It's like you can win a skills challenge because you're in your house practicing scales, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as the whole, which is, which is what I feel connects music and sports too, we can practice all we want by ourselves. When we go to work, it's always something new in front of us. Yes, it's ever going to be, we can never guess what's going to happen. We're not, you know what I mean? Like, we're always have to be ready for the unexpected because that's our job. You have to adapt. To adapt to the unexpected all the time. And you have to know how to, all the tools you have, you have to know how to apply them to do that. And some people have the tools, but the, the motherfuckers have a wrench when they need a hammer. Oh, <laughs> they don't know how to apply it. They, they, they don't know how to apply that. They got all the tools. The motherfuckers took out a drill with the shit that took a hammer out. You know, they just, all the tools are there, but they don't know which tool to use. <laughs> <laughs> let's, 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 let's jump to, speaking of me, talking about people who just, who, you know, who, who you know, we, we call it, you call it stage fright. We, we call it, whatever yep. we call it. It is yep. what it is. Yeah. Let's, Touring, right? Let's let's talk about touring. You 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 you're, you're known for your touring and in, 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 re, in residences, mm-hmm. uh, in, including you know uh, the, the the famous month long residency at yep, uh, Blue Night, at Blue, yep. no, Blue Night in, in, in New York. Yeah. Uh, this this past fall, that residency returned for the first time since, uh, since the COVID. pandemic. Since, yep. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm doing my research. Yeah, uh, for sure. Okay. But 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 first of all, how how did how did you handle those things when 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 things were shut down and, and touring wasn't on the table for you? Man, God bless me. Like, I, luckily, I, I was able to still be cool without having to leave town and travel and stuff, um, because you know I'm I monetize my music in different way, ways. It's not just touring, and a lot of this was a wake up call for a lot of musicians, most musicians, because they depend on touring so much for money. But, you know, I do film scoring, you know, Mm -hmm. I I score films, I score movies, you know what I mean? And so when the touring stopped, I just went hard on the scoring stuff, you know what I mean? Um, And that really, that literally just helped me be a, stay afloat and do what I need to do. And also what I built this place here, this is my studio. And I built this in the back of my house. You know what I mean? Because before I didn't have a studio. This this was an apartment, somebody else's apartment, my, my landlord's apartment. And during COVID, she moved out of this and moved into the building. So this was just back here. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this a studio. So I was able, yeah. to, I was able to do my whole... The, I have an album coming out in February, Black Radio 3. Mm. I, did the whole, I did the whole thing here in this, in this place. You know what I mean? And so that was also a good thing that came out of the pandemic. You know what I mean? Um, me making sure that I have other means of making money and surviving through my music and also making this studio to where now I don't have to go to somebody else's studio and be on their dime. You know what I you're, mean? You're another, you pandemic ready now. You, <laughs> I'm pandemic. I'm here. I'm ready, Jack. What has it been like, you know, now that, you know, pandemic and people back out, people touring, people doing their thing. Musicians is back out, you know, feeling comfortable with. They making money. They touring. Yeah. yeah. Um, how like what 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 has it been like returning to the stage? It's been amazing, man. Like being a being without people for two years, damn near. It was terrible. You realize how much you need the audience to do a show, a real show. 
because I was doing so many streaming things and it just, it's not the same, you know, right. you're not getting that, that love right back. I'm used to the immediate, the immediate, like when you, I'm sure the same, I'm wondering how it was for y'all. You know, you, you make a shot. It's like, ah, you get the immediate. Imagine, <laughs> imagine making a shot, not hearing shit. Like that's weird. It's the worst. It's, it's the, the worst. worst. You know it's what I mean? And yeah. And it's, that whole adrenaline is gone and the, the connection you have, with people that really truly love your music, you can see that in people's re- re- reactions and their vibe and their faces at the show. You know what I mean? I, I would feed off that. So, you know, going back to the Blue Note was really the, the wake up call because then you got people that, that, a lot of people that came there was their first time being out since the pandemic to a show. They would tell me, this is our first time, you know, you could feel it, feel the love, and all the artists and musicians I had falling through, even some people, a bunch of unexpected people. That's the thing about the residency is a lot of people just pull up unexpected, you know what I mean? And we, and we jump up, they jump on stage and do stuff, and everybody just wanted to be in, in front of people and just get, be in there, and it was just so great, man. It was, it was great. Is jazz the only genre that that can happen to? Like you, just, you get the blue note, and it's just like, Fuck whoever here, we jump on stage like we you, you get in where you fit in. <laughs> That's not even no. It's more than just jazz because my thing wasn't even jazz. I got to be honest. I I had a few weeks of jazz, few days of jazz, few weeks of jazz. But a lot of my stuff is hip hop. I have a I have a, a um I have a group with Common. It's called yes, of course. It's called August Green. Mm-hmm. We did a week of August Green. I had and we had Q Tip fall through. You know. Black Thoughts fall through, you know, like, you know, just a, a lot of cat Black Moon, um, Buckshot from Black Moon, you mm-hmm. know, fell through. Um, Lecrae, I don't know if you know Lecrae. Yeah, I love Lecrae um, for sure. He fell through. But a lot of my stuff is R&B and hip-hop. I, I, had, I had Elder Barge my last two days as my special surprise guest. So we did a bunch of the Barge stuff, you know what I'm saying? I had Lettuce Fit Bilal, you know, so my, my stuff isn't always just jazz. It's a mixture of all kinds of things, you know what I mean? So... I think with that, more a lot of people. I'm, it's known. My thing is known for people just falling through, and the comedy thing because you know I have Chappelle a few days and Chris Rock fall through a few days, and other comedians from just across the street because there's a comedy seller right across the street too. You know what I mean? So it, it's just it's just open to it's it's the it's colorful. It's colorful. Just everybody, all all walks of life, all kinds of cats come through, and and jump on and just do stuff. You know what I mean? So it's always fun. In, in, in that respect, you know. But most of my shows come become like that. You know what I mean? Like, cats know if I'm doing the show, you know, it's going to be that vibe. Absolutely. Everybody, everybody coming out, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What should fans know about, you know, attending one of your shows? Like, they, you they know, they, they, because they all have a very unique character to them, each, each, each one of your shows. Exactly. And the thing about my shows is, too, you don't know, it depends on, because some people are a fan of my, just my trio, my, my straight up jazz trio stuff, which is, like I said, Mood was one of them for 2002, Canvas 2005, In My Element 2007, and Double Booked was kind of half and half 2009. So my, my, and then I get black radio stuff. So I have in my audience, sometimes it's very straight up jazz people who love my jazz thing. And then sometimes it's my R&B people who love my R&B stuff. And then sometimes it's just a straight up hip hop fans. You know what I mean? Because I'm a Jay Dilla head. I work with Dilla. I, you know what I mean? I got to literally work with Dilla at his crib for two weeks with Bilal. You know what I mean? We became friends and, you know, making beats and stuff. And so, you know, I have my hip-hop audience, too. 
So my the audience looks like that when you come to my show because I don't even say a lot of times what it is. Just Robert Glasper, you'll see what right. it's gonna be when you, when you pop up, and they know they know they don't know what's gonna happen. They, I've right. had so many. I've had Bill Withers walk out on my show. You know what I mean? Just it's just mm. it's just super random and 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 to me too because a lot of times I don't be knowing what's gonna happen. When once I get there. You know, I look at the phone, but like, so-and-so's about to pull up. Oh, shit, you pulling up? Oh, cool. Or my manager be like, so-and-so's here. I'm like, oh, snap. Hold on, so y'all perform Lean On Me? Uh, just, just. He came out. No, so here's the deal. We almost did. I did a, uh, on, my, on my album, Black Radio 2, there's a deluxe version of that album, which has like four extra songs. Mm-hmm. And we did Lovely Day, right? Oh. So at the studio here in L.A., at Westlake Studios, we did Lovely Day. We did it as a sound check. It wasn't even supposed to be on the album. We just did it for fun as a sound check. Just to get sounds when you pull up stuff, get sound. Right. We did Lovely Day. We never played it ever. Not even live, nothing. Did it one time. My boy was there. He was like, yo, I know Bill Withers. He was like, I'm going to call him and tell him you did Lovely Day. He called Bill, put me on the phone with Bill. Right? I talked to him for a minute. I was like, oh, man, I wanted to meet you, man. He's like, yeah, son. I wish I could hear you what you did. Hung up the phone. Dude, a few minutes later, Bill Withers walks up the steps at the studio. We like, oh snap. He's like, play me the song. Played the song. Boom, boom. We loved it. We we got we became cool. And he came out to like, uh, actually, he came out to like two or three of my shows, but this one particular show, on that song on my album, we do a skit and he opens up the song on the album. Mm, I'm, I'm going to play Rob. that. Now. I'm going to yeah. play that. So as we hang up, so yeah. Hang up, he's like, "Hey, that. Robert, when you gonna play one of my songs? You big knuckle." And so you know, we start <laughs> laughing and shit. So he did that live at, uh, um, at the show. You know, he came out. I started singing "Lovely Day" in a fucked up voice on purpose, jokingly, and the and the crowd was like, "No!" Then Bill Willis walks out, bro. When I tell you, everybody went bananas. Yeah, this the setup. He was one of those guys. He didn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? That was a whole thing. You never saw Bill Withers. He was just one of them. Catch this never went anywhere. That's why I'm asked. That's why I asked that. Like, damn, yeah. y'all, y'all performed that. Like, shit. yeah, I was, yeah, man, it was it was an honor. But the, the, that's one of those things. Like, it's to the point where I don't even know what's going to happen. I'm excited for my show. By the way, I'm doing one January 30th, the night before the Grammys. I'm doing a show out here. If you go on, if you'll be in LA. But. If we if we here, I'm there for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I'm there for sure. Yeah, yeah. What's what's so next next steps, right? And and you know, let's talk about kind of what what you're focused on. You know, and, and and switching gear, kind of switching gears a bit. Like you, you release some some new music, um, in in the, in the fall, uh, yeah. and you know, and that that song slide, right? It's it's like can can fans expect more of that? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh that that was a joint I did with D Smoke and Tiffany Goucher, Shine. It came out October. Matter of fact, it came out the day, like pretty much the week I started my residency at the same time, and so that's from Black Radio Three. And I have many more songs. We're going to release another single in January. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm literally, we're literally finishing up the video. I'm waiting to see the last video treatments of it. We did a video for it and everything. But, and then the album's going to come out in February, February, some point in February, Black Radio 3 record. And then I'm doing a lot of some scoring. You know what I mean? So, I, matter of fact, I'm scoring. You heard about that Lakers document? The, the, the Lakers Absolutely. Um, the series, yeah. The series. Uh, uh, Showtime. Yeah. But it's going to be on HBO Max. That shit fucks me up every time. <laughs> Showtime is on HBO Max. Um, yeah, so I'm scoring that film um, with my boy uh, Nick Bartel, who's amazing. Um, 
And so it's been, dude, that, that, have you seen any, any clips yet? I saw a couple. I saw, I saw some snippets of it. Ooh, it, it looks official. It looks official. It's official, bro. I've seen, I've seen so far, because we've so far started scoring the first three episodes, you know what I mean? But it's, it's official, bro. I even went down to this, I, I went down to where they were shooting. And I met old dude that playing Magic and met yeah, yeah, yeah. Kareem. They casted their ass off on this, man. I mean, the casting is... That was A1, what they, what they did with the casting, for sure. Man, absolutely. So I'm, I'm really having fun with that. We're going to actually do a lot more. I'm going to New York uh, next week, and we're going to do some studio sessions there for it. Um, right. Right, right, like right after Christmas, we're going to do a few studio sessions and finish that up. And I'm also scoring uh, the new Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, <laughs> series. Uh, so it's the it's the serious version because the first Prince of Bel Air, actually, the, it's a true story about a real guy. Uh huh. But Quincy Jones took it and made it funny with Will Smith. So now they're they're telling the the true story of of it. So it's the serious version of it. So um, me and my boy Terrace Martin are scoring that. Uh, I'm looking together. forward to that. Yeah, man, it, it's 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 that. Woo, that's amazing. It's great. It's great. So I'm really happy about those particular two things the, the Lakers doc I mean the the, the Lakers uh, series and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and then the, then I'm putting out the record in February I go on tour in March to Europe I haven't been to Europe in over two years you know what I mean mm-hmm. so obviously since the pandemic I was in London when the pandemic hit America what was that like I was in <laughs> London I'm not dude because I did four nights at this club in London a new club everything was great killing and I was supposed to fly to Miami. No, that's what it was. So the, the last night of the show, we start hearing buzz about what's happening. Oh, this some kind of virus happened in America. I'm like, oh, that's crazy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the next day I had to fly to Miami. I flew to Miami and I had a show the next day after I landed. But as soon as I flew there, people got COVID in the place I was going to, you know. And so as soon as I got to land Miami, it was locked down. What? Right the day after I left London and the very next day, I got locked down in Miami. I stayed in Miami for like two weeks, uh, me and my lady, because and because they didn't know what, you know, it's like, don't go to New York, don't go to LA, you know, <laughs> didn't know what to do. So we're just like, let's just stay at this hotel by the beach and figure this out and see what's happening. And lastly, right, and you were nominated for, you know, for two Grammy Awards. And first of all, I mean, again, congratulations. You, you, you deserve your flowers now. Um, how do like how how do you feel about the projects and, and 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 the recognition? And for those you know, for the people who 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 may not know who's who's listening, um, you 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 was nominated for for best progressive R and B album for Dinner Party uh, Dessert and and best traditional R and B performance for Born Again uh, by Leon Bridges, you know, featuring featuring you. How do you feel about those projects and and, and the recognition with that? Man, I feel good about it because actually, so the Dinner Party album. There's a dinner party album, and then there's an album, a, a remix of it we call Dessert. So mm-hmm. the dinner party, the, the the dinner party Dessert is what got nominated, and that's a remix of the dinner party album. Basically, we just got a bunch of special guests on there. You know what I mean? So we got Rap City, we got Snoop. Snoop is the narrator of the whole thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he narrates the whole thing for Snoop us. Snoop doing all, man. Snoop doing all. <laughs> you know, there's nothing Snoop does not do, bro. Um, Bilal's on there. A bunch of people are in there. It's, it's, it's Herbie Hancock made an appearance on there for us and stuff. So really excited about that. That's my boy, Terrace Martin. I've known him since I was 15 years old. We went to jazz camp together. So we started this dinner party group. You know what I mean? And this is just me, Knife Wonder, amazing producer, Knife Wonder. And Kamasi Washington, another amazing musician, and, uh, and uh, Terrace. We actually came up with this during the pandemic. 
You know what I mean? So we did this record really like just sending files to each other. That's how we did it, really. So it came out cool. And then the, the Leon Bridges song is dope, man. I've been a fan of Leon. So, and that happened during the pandemic as well, you know? And that song, Born Again, it really is, is kind of based out of the pandemic where you listen to the words and stuff too. You know, it's kind of about being alone and missing your family and missing your friends. Yet you like being alone too, you know what I mean? Congratulations on, 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 on all of that for sure. So we're going to bring it all back to kind of to, to what's in your glass. I guess I have a, a couple quick fire questions for you to close this out. Uh, myself and then the people, we always like to know what's in your glass on, on, on some certain occasions. Um, it, it doesn't have to be label specifically, whatever. But what's, mm-hmm. what's, your, go, what's your go-to when you, you're on vacation? I'm a goose person. I love the goose. Straight? Straight up. No, well, I could do straight up too. But I like I like Grey Goose. I like it with like you know pineapple or cranberry mix. Okay, Great. I'm I'm pretty easy. I I I I I I love that vibe. Okay, Grey Goose on a vacation. If you you're out to dinner at a, at a nice restaurant. If I'm out to dinner at a nice restaurant, I'll do a a white wine like a Pinot Grigio or or a um, Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, Sauvignon Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, I got one. You celebrating uh, your first Grammy Award? That's champagne. <laughs> what, what, what champagne that was I wish I knew what it was but I know we're drinking my, a lot of champagne but you know a little, little Don P wouldn't okay. you know, hurt okay. you know what I'm saying a little Moet okay. Okay. Moet was my first my first champagne yeah, I, I, I like Don P though indeed, indeed. Big, big shout you out to Moet for sure big shout if out I'm to in Moet a, if I'm in a hip hop club you know what I'm saying Crystal, you know, <laughs> you know depends on who I'm partying with. I know what it's going to be. We're going Moet. We'll, we'll go with Moet. We're going Moet. Yeah, big, yeah. big, big, big Jared bombs of Moet. You know club. what I mean? For sure. For sure. Uh, you, 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 you're celebrating a win at, at this upcoming Grammys this January. I'm celebrating a win. Oh, we're probably going to do shots. We're probably, uh, yeah, we're doing shots of tequila. We're going to do shots of Patron. 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 Oh, you just going right for the gusto, huh? <laughs> <laughs> We do Patron, Patron, Patron. That, that, that Patron. Okay. So you. What about you? What about you? <sighs> if you win in the championship this year, we definitely champagneing it up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm I'm going straight to red wine. Like I gotta go. I, I have to have the best, the best of the best at, at that moment. Really, the red wine. Yeah. See, red wine makes me sleepy. I can't do red wine unless I'm about to go to sleep. It makes me too, for lack of a better word, mellow. mellow. <laughs> But it does. It makes me mellow as hell. I'll be ready to go to sleep. That's why I don't See? do dark liquor either. Dark liquor makes me sleepy and makes me a little bit uh, feisty. It makes me a little angry. Yeah, but see, the, the 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 red wine, when you start getting to the, you know what I mean? You start mm-hmm. getting up there to the top shelf, uh-huh. then you start seeing the difference. So you said I get cheap shit. I, I mean, I, I don't have nothing against box wine. I don't have nothing so against... I, so, <laughs> so I should stop... I should stop buying my wine at CVS, is what you're saying? I should stop going to CVS with my wine? CVS got good wine. They, they, have, they got good selections. I'm just saying, if you win in, you win in the Grammy or you win in the championship, you, go, you ain't going to CVS. That's, that's, that's sure. all I'm saying. For sure. For sure. <laughs> no, nah, bro. I, you know, I, I, again, man, uh, in closing, bro, I just want to say thank you, man. And oh, I give you. I want to give you, you know, your flowers, bro, because you, what, what, what you bring into the game and just your, your diversity and, and how you're able to, like I said it earlier, adapt, you know, to the, to the genre and just bring your own swag and your, 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 your soul and 
just your expertise and then being able to figure it out on a, on on the fly and you know not being pigeonholed or letting letting other people you know box you in being able to be free and do what you want to do so you you deserve you deserve your flowers now man so i just want to say thank you so much for for joining me for a glass thank you um, thanks for um, having me on here bro I was honored, absolutely, honored. No, absolutely. Best, best 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 of luck with, with with everything you have going on right now so, um the scores the tv shows the album coming out the touring um, and, and, and also, I want to thank the, the audience who, who tuned in this week. Um, please follow, rate, review. What's in your glass? As you all know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcast. You can also check out the video releases each week on, on YouTube. Um, again, man, I just want to virtual cheers to you. Boom! Thank you you right you you right up the block for me, man. So when, when absolutely, so when you start, when you, once you start, once you start getting in that stew, I gotta come check you out. Absolutely, I appreciate you, Rob.